You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. To the chasers of light, to the purveyors of pictures, to everyone listening around the world, you're listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. (laughs) So uh, we are going to cover a really cool subject, a subject that I love to talk about in today's interview, which is street photography. Um, I talk about portraiture a lot on this show because that's what I mainly do, especially for money. But when I shoot for myself, I prefer to shoot street photography. And uh, today we're going to discuss why, but rather than listen to me do it, uh, we're going to talk to our guest today. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, give a warm welcome to Jason Berkman. I had to to play the sound effect twice, so... There you go. Maybe I'll come up with a different clap, but uh, <laughs> welcome in, man. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, no problem. Now, we got to get something out of the way. Okay. Okay, so let me do this, and here we go. Happy birthday oh. to you. Thank you. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Yes, that is that is right. It is uh, Jason's uh, birthday today. That'll so that'll wake you up. Oh, God. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, we Thanks, had to man. wish you a happy birthday. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yes, and rather than going out and celebrating his birthday, he's hanging out with a couple of losers in about a fifteen by four foot room. And it's just it's a small room. It's it's, it's TMI. Very, it's really that's what it's, it is. It's, it's TMI. Yeah. I can hear your stomach. <laughs> I can hear your stomach gurgle. But anyway, it doesn't smell terrible yet. So yeah, we're good. We're, we'll, we'll get there eventually. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I pretty much start off every interview with the same first question, okay. which is, tell me your story. How did you get here? Uh, to, how did you get to photography in your life? Oh yeah. boy. Uh, well, I started actually, I started taking pictures when I was 19. Uh, yeah, but 18, 19, um, I bought a K1000, an Asai K1000 Pentax. And, uh, that was my first camera and I just, I loved it. I loved uh, 3200 film, 3200 black and white was my go-to cause I loved grain. I loved the black and white grain. Um, which is funny cause I don't really use grain these days, but, uh, back in the day, that was just my thing. I really loved wide angle. I would use like fisheye and all this crazy stuff and took a lot of pictures of like, ban- I was in bands. This was in the nineties. So, um, I know I'm dating myself. Uh, I'm the same way, dude. I came, I come from the world of music. It all came from bands. Yeah. He comes from the world of music. So okay. we're all joined together by nice. the same thing, but go on. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, I was playing in bands and, um, uh, I'm a guitar player and songwriter and stuff. And so I was in bands and just, uh, I just found the love of photography. And then I, I decided to take a course in, uh, black and white, um, uh, photography, 
in uh, the community college over at uh, it's it's Pierce Community College in Woodland Hills or West Hills, California. So um, started doing darkroom, and I, I fell in love with darkroom. But uh, I, I love the process today a lot more than back then because you you spend like two, three hours on like one photo and like probably $50 worth of paper just to get that one photo the, the, the correct way. You know what I mean? Yeah, but there is something to be said for uh, dodging and burning with your hand. Like there's a reason why there's a lot of people who probably uh, use Photoshop and have used Photoshop their whole life yeah. and don't know why the dodge and burn icons are what they are. Yeah. It's like, yeah. why is there a hand there? For, for, <laughs> like, Because that's literally how you did it. Yeah, you just like, <laughs> like this or use paper or whatever you can to kind of, yeah. For, for the people who don't know uh, the original process, obviously not me, could you yeah, just yeah, explain a little bit of the dodge and burn? Oh, process? gosh. Go ahead, okay, guess. So, so we used a thing called an enlarger, and basically you have your sensitive paper or whatever, whatever your image is, you put your image or your... your um, your um, what do you call it? You're talking about the slide. Negative. Yeah. Oh, wait, you're talking about the negative that <laughs> you negative. put. Yeah, inside the slide. Gotcha. It's, it's, I have to bring myself back there because I have not used film in a long time. So you put your negative or um, in into the enlarger, and then it basically the light comes down on the sensitive paper, and then you dodge how much light goes on, right? Or you burn, you, or dodge or burn. So dodge is darken, burn is lighten. So the amount of light that you let in is, is, am I right? I think you got that one backwards, but I, I know what you <laughs> meant. Backwards. So, so, so yeah. So basically you, you would, uh, you know, so like if you're in Photoshop or you're in capture one or Lightroom and you want to draw a mask just on someone's face and you want to lighten it up, you would instead cover the entire print and just let light hit that person's face or whatever, right? Yeah. Or, or not hit that face, depending right. on what you wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And that's how you would dodge and burn. And that's why they would show pictures of a hand or, you know, that's how you'd, ha they'd show a magnifying glass to let more light hit it. Yeah. Oh, see, yeah, I heard, I watched a documentary about like Ansel Adams and how he was just like a master at dodging and burning. And I just, I couldn't like imagine in my head, like what, what does it even look like? Yeah, it's just, it's just like, uh, you know, there's a light in the studio right now. And if I put it over your face, if that light kept mm -hmm. exposing a piece of paper more and more, I would expose it less by putting it in front of there for a few seconds. It's kind of like if you've ever painted with light, sometimes you just put light up for a second. You right. know, you do a really long exposure and you just take a flashlight and do a quick flash to just hit your foreground subject while you're trying to get like the Milky Way in the background or something. It's the same thing, but you're doing it with light hitting paper that's sensitive to light. Yeah. And you could use like, I would use like cardboard and put cardboard in front of it for a while or use your hand, go like this and take your hand out. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 of... it's why it's complete bullshit. You yeah. hear some of these old people, these old school guys go, I'm a purist, all this Photoshop stuff and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know who would probably be a Photoshop master is Ansel fucking Adams. Because yeah. he was doing it, but he didn't have it. He right, was just like, right. "I'm gonna like make this because because there's imperfections when you're when you're taking pictures uh, on on film. You know, like oh, the sky for whatever reason didn't expose as well as the foreground based on how I saw it with my eyes because of a bunch of small variables that happened. So what Ansel Adams would do, he's like, "Well, I want it to look." different so i'm going to do something different to the sky or i'm going to do something different to the foreground by putting my hand in front of it or not right. because the art of taking a picture 
and the art of developing the picture was just as important uh, as you know the the back end when you were actually making the print. The right. whole idea of making the print, because like now it's like we don't make prints anymore per se. We will edit something and send it off to a print house, and then we might have a conversation with the print house about like, hey, I need it to kind of do this or that. Maybe right. use this type of paper, that type of paper. But you weren't actually make you're not actually making the print these days unless you enlarge it and take it into your own darkroom. Yeah. So, yeah. which I kind of miss that process a little bit. Just the fun, just you know, being able to see like get that perfect picture because you can do like five, you can do twenty of them, and then when you finally get it, you're like, oh my god, that's that looks so amazing. But you still have to just like wait for it to develop in the chemicals and yeah, there's a lot of waiting. <laughs> I bet <laughs> your eyes get so tired in the red, like you can't actually like see shades anymore. You have to just like I'd imagine you have to bring all the papers out to like clear a day and just like go over them, right? Like you wouldn't know in the dark room with that red light on whether or not you got the picture. Oh yeah, yeah, no, you yeah, can see. Really? Yeah, yeah, and Jeez. you'd yeah, and you'd finish it up and put it in the bath, and yeah. Now it could warp a little bit after the fact if you didn't do certain things right. Mm. I mean, you'd be like, ooh, it's kind of hint, it's kind of tinging yellow a little bit or something, or yeah. it's kind of purplish. So, you know, there's a lot of variables to it. It's like it's like why uh, when people say that they do film simulations, like I'm simulating this film stock. It's like. Dude, what are you talking about? Like, what 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 film stock? Oh, I'm I'm simulating Portra 400. It's like, oh, are you simulating Portra 400? Like, uh, you know, it, w w like how what was the temperature at? How many agitations did you do? And then when you made the print, what like like they're trying to si simulate something that has so many steps. And when you get into black and white, it's even crazier. It's like, did you use Rotanol? Did you use DDX developer? Um, you know, how how long did you leave it in the fixer for? Right. What temperature did you did you do it at? You know, like I said, how many agitations? And so there's so many different variables. So when people sit there and go, I'm trying to emulate film, it's like, don't say that. Just say you're trying to like give a film vibe and just leave it at that. Like, yeah. Cause even, uh -huh. even like, even like if I take a, a really well-known uh, film stock, like HP uh, five, mm -hmm. if I take HP five and I put it in DDX and I take HP five and I put it in a rotanol, the rotanol, the freaking grains are like three times larger and it doesn't even look like the same film stock anymore just cause mm -hmm. I put it in a different developer, but getting off subject, but it's okay. I'm okay getting off this subject because we're telling them your story. And we started, mm -hmm. Started in Los Angeles, right? Yeah, started in LA. Um, yeah, it's it's been so long since I've worked with film, so it's. Uh, uh, but yeah, started in LA, and um, you know, I just I just mainly took pictures of bands. Uh, I did. It's mainly bands, mainly bands. Um, not no models or anything like that. Just uh, mainly musicians, and um, I kind of lost track of that because I was in the mu music industry. So I found myself in the studios. Um, as a second engineer and a first engineer working for a producer. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I got into the, into the fitness industry. So. so, so you know your way around an SSL console is what you're saying. I worked with the SSL a little bit. Uh, and then I found myself working with a Trident console. Ooh, Trident consoles are yeah. great. Malcolm, yeah. Malcolm Toft is the guy who made the Trident console. Okay, you know all the history. Yes, as a matter of fact, <laughs> uh, the Beatles uh, tracked uh, some of their later albums on a Trident because the other studio, they usually would use Neve. Yeah. Ne Neves weren't yep. available because I think something was going on at Heavy Road or whatever, so they mm -hmm. had to go to a different studio. Another, another uh, off. If you want to, if you want me to go like off subject, like a like a mosquito to a light bulb, you either bring up film or you bring up audio, and okay. I will take us off subject. There you go. There so we're going to get back on track there. Um, so why did you leave Los Angeles and come to Austin? 
Oh, that's a whole other ball I mean, of wax. So which I, you could ask half the half of the people who live in Austin because they all came from Los Angeles. You know, you know the, <laughs> I'm literally sitting next to two of them oh, right oh, now. You came from LA too. Uh, I came from South Orange County oh, okay. in 2011. That's oh, okay. that's oh, LA. That's, that's a long time ago. I mean, he's he's an Austinite at this yeah, point. Sa- South Orange yeah. County is uh, is LA to people who don't live. In, right, right. You know, it's, it's like halfway to it's like halfway to San Diego. If, basically, if you've but, been inside of a Hollister store, you've been to South Orange County. That's right. what I usually tell people. Oh, okay, so Accurate. it's very like surf. Yeah, it's yeah, it's Laguna, it's Huntington, Lagu- it's Newport Beach. Love Laguna. I yeah. love Laguna. Yeah, beautiful. So, so Austin, you came to Austin. So I came to Austin in 2020 because uh, when everything got locked down because of COVID, um, my wife, I was, I was previously, previously married. My wife and uh, ex-wife and I um, decided that we needed to be somewhere that was opening up because we didn't have any work. So came out here. Uh, there was a lot of opportunity. And the community out here really kind of welp- welcomed me, which is great. You know, I started getting weddings right away. I started getting some uh, jobs right away. Uh, but didn't, um, yeah, you know, I still had to to supplement my income somehow. So I did odd jobs here and there and uh, tried to figure it out. Did a lot of video work uh, out of state. And, um, and yeah, Austin has been very inviting. The people here are great. Yeah, I love this place. And um, like we were just talking about, you know, some of the same people that we know, you know, uh, just just from being in, in the photo community out here. It's it's an amazing place to be. I love it. You know, that's why I stayed out here after after my marriage. I was like, you know, I love it out here. I'm going to stay. So I did. Yeah, a lot of people stick around. And it's funny because I've you know, I've lived in Texas for 30, gosh, 33 years now, either oh, wow. in Austin or Dallas, kind of back and forth. But it's, it is always cute to hear Austinites go. It's usually someone who moved here in like 2014 go, man, the city's just not the same anymore. <laughs> it's like, you haven't even been here in like nine years, man. But it's just, that's what happens when you live in a transient city is that, you know, everybody who comes in, is like, nobody's been here a long time. Like, I, you know, I work with tons of models right. and I always, you know, especially when I'm working with them for the first time, I'm like, where are you from? You know, right. it's pretty much a, a first question you ask somebody and like, all of them are from somewhere else. It's very right. rare that I get a model who's from Austin. Right. I think like in the last two years, I've maybe had two or three. Mm-hmm. Like So that's just the way it is here. But uh, so it's interesting that you talk about, um, you know, you started off with bands and that because my awareness of photography predates the internet like yours does. Like yeah. you didn't have yeah. the internet. You're, 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 you're like me. We, yep. we saw the dinosaurs on the earth. And um, there wasn't all this digital information in our fingertips. We had to stare at things and study them more. Yeah. We didn't have this like Instagram feed where things would come through. I would look at like an album cover, like Santana Abraxas or something like that. Not because there was a hot naked woman on it, but yeah, that actually was the reason. But um, <laughs> I would sit there and I'd just stare at album covers right. for hours. Like my parents, and of course, my parents had vinyl, and, you know, so I'd like grab a 12 inch and just stand stand there and stare at it and you know national geographic and magazines like that was how we consume media was through magazines and so uh, brandon and i have had this conversation one of our previous podcasts that you know printing your work is a good thing you can appreciate it more but i also think that that's true of other people's work and so do you think that um you know maybe the fact that you grew up in a world where there wasn't this overwhelming amount of information and and you pretty much had to sit there and stare at the J.C. Penney catalog bra section or whatever it was you were looking right, at, right, right. Uh, you know whatever it was that you were going to be looking at. That's how but, I learned photography, by the way. Yeah, that's how I, I learned boudoir. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, J.C. Penney, I love you. Thank you. Yeah, but uh, did you think that that helps you at all 
you know, and patience and things like that. What, what, what do you think that gave you as a photographer, not having all this media hit you at once and maybe have you stand back and, and, you know, really study things? You know what? That's, that's funny because I think I'm one of those people that I really like the ease of use now. And, um, I actually, the funny thing is cause I, I, I just released a video about the XH2. Um, and then I got a comment from this guy who's 61 years old and he's like, Oh damn it. You guys with all your digital stuff and instant gratification and blah, blah, back in, you know, and he was, and he was on the border of like irate and he's like, Oh, I'm, I remember back in the day in the film and you know, I'm 61 years old and I'm like, Hey, Brother, I'm 51 years old and I totally agree with you, but I love being able to just plug in my SD card and have a thousand photos that I just took and look at those thousand photos and start editing those thousand photos and not have to pay for this amount of money for each and every piece of paper and have to you know sit there for so long just to get that, that shot, you know, because once, you know, once I get that one shot that I really like, now I'm looking for that other shot I really like and then the, the other one and, and, and I'm able to you know, just have the ability to be creative like that. And I, I love that. So I, I understood what he, where he was coming from, but I think that instant gratification, I just, um, yeah, I guess I'm, I guess I'm, uh, well, I can counter that guy. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm like you, I, I'm old enough to know this stuff. Yeah. I have to have experienced this stuff. And I can counter that guy by simply saying nothing is stopping you from shooting as slowly as you did back in the day yeah. with your very yeah. fast equipment. Like mm-hmm. I shoot on a Fuji GFX. You I actually do experience shooting slowly on digital. Right. Maybe that's the perfect camera for this guy. But you know, I heard a quote somewhere on YouTube and by the way, Jason did reference that he has a YouTube channel and it's Jason Berkman. Photography, photography. Yes. yeah. Jason yeah. Berkman Thanks, photography. Man. So I'm going to plug his YouTube channel because you have three people in this room right now who have their own YouTube channels. So, awesome. yeah. uh, but going back to it, I heard a guy on YouTube say it was an older guy, and mm-hmm. he, he basically just said that film doesn't move as fast as I do anymore. One of the reasons why I self developed film is I needed to move faster. Yeah, you know, like I have been. Even though I grew up on film, I also live in a world of digital now, and mm-hmm. I, I'm like, okay, like, I don't want the local shop to take three weeks to turn around my film. So I'm going to teach myself how to do it. I'm too impatient. And so that's the only way, like if I couldn't turn my film around that, that quickly, I probably wouldn't shoot it as much because I don't like to wait on other people. I like to just like, Hey, I have this, I'm at point a and I want to get to point B and there's all these obstacles in my way and I need to remove as many of them as I possibly can. You are listening to the F11 photography podcast. I don't get into those analog versus digital debates as to which one's better. I will only argue that they are different. That is it. Yeah, and and I actually referenced to that gentleman who, uh, um, and I appreciate him if he if he ever listens to this. Um, but I, I also talked about audio because I went to audio engineering school, where they said, you know, we worked with two inch machines and we worked with SSLs and stuff like that, and they said, well, you know what, digital has come a long way, but it'll never be. I mean, it'll never be like two inch tape, and. It, it's, I mean, digital is, I mean, it's so easy. It's so quick and it sounds so good. I mean, I don't think anyone uses two inch, maybe just to track drums or maybe just track bass. Um, some, um, some bands that like just have a ton of money, like, yeah. you know, like arcade fire or Radiohead yeah. or somebody like that. They'll take their stuff and put it in a uh, two inch reel to reel because they can. Yeah. Most bands don't. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, does it sound better? It sounds warmer. Yeah. You know, and there is a hiss in there. And I mean, it's it's not as bad as it used to be. Those Ampex reel-to-reels are good. But, you know, 
I'm recording us right now digitally. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I would never, I would not be doing this podcast if it was on a reel to reel. No, it, 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 <laughs> somehow it, I doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> somehow I still think you'd make it work. I mean, that, back in the day, it would sound you warmer. Yeah, back yeah. in the day, you had to make it work. Yeah, I mean, you had to. You literally like if you wanted to edit, you would pull out a pair of scissors and cut the tape. <laughs> I've done that, and it's yeah. not. It's not fun. No, it's, it's not. not fun. I don't like it. <laughs> no. Oh, you want to make it? Yeah. You want to play this track backwards? Cut it. And turn it like, right. <laughs> and then you have to tune the machine. So you have to tune the machine yeah. in certain tones, kind of like you tune a guitar. You have or, to tune or, or a turntable, because turntables will drift off a of pitch. It's the same thing. Yeah. Like uh, when you put, when you spin on an analog turntable, they will drift in and out of pitch. So what do you guys get done after? Like you've got eight hours in the studio to get something done. What the hell do you get done? <laughs> Like, what um, do you accomplish in eight hours? Um, well, drum, back drum tracks back eight in eight hours, maybe one or two songs in eight hours. Yeah, ba- back in wow. the '80s, the music industry had much larger budgets than they yeah. do now. I mean, yep. like Michael Jackson would like buy a recording studio out for two years. Like mm. this room, I will pay the rate for two years to have this studio. Nobody can use it, and just whenever I feel like it, I'll go in and I'll knock something out. That was the kinds of budgets that they were doing back mm. then. Once the whole Napster and download thing happened, that all went to went to hell in a handbasket. And ever since then, like the only way bands make money now is when they do live shows. They don't yeah. really make a lot of money off the record sales. So mm-hmm. very, very different than it used to be. But um, let's, let's tune it to street photography because that is kind of the, the vibe we're going for here. So okay. uh, we're going to take that to, uh, do you prefer to use your viewfinder when you shoot or shoot from the hip? Um, well, hmm. so if I could have my druthers, I would use my viewfinder Um, because I find myself, if I'm shooting from the hip and I'm trying to be uh, incognito, sometimes I'll miss my focus. And so I love being in control of it. And if I have my eye in there, I have my, you know, I have one hand, let's say my thumb is on the joystick so I can control my um, focus point uh, because I like to uh, do single shot uh, most of the time. Then yeah, I would love to, if I had my druthers, I'd, I'd uh, shoot from uh, the viewfinder. But I, I do find myself going from the hip weight or from the belly. Like I have an XE4 that I've been shooting um, street photography. So I just kind of flip it up and I look kind of look down. And it's so unassuming and so small that it's it's really easy to, to do street photography. But I'd like to to go from the viewfinder more so do you do you tend to stay more incognito or, you know, do you ever just try to like Bruce Gilden a photo? I just go straight in somebody's face. Yeah, with a, with a handheld flash right next to their cornea. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've I've had people like literally go like, "Can you please erase that, please? Please erase that." I'm like, I, "How did you even know I was taking a picture of you?" That that's when you just go, "Okay," and then you like you go to the next picture and go, "See, it's gone," and then like right. scroll one more over is like, "See, there's nothing in between these two. <laughs> right, right, yeah. No, I've I've had people, yeah, accost me before. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so what do you do to make yourself more, you know, incognito? Uh, what are some techniques that you can talk about? And I know you touched on this in our YouTube episode that we did. We did a collaborative episode together as well yeah. on street photography. But uh, if someone is listening and they're wanting to get into street photography and they're like, well, I'm, I'm like afraid to like take pictures because what if people react or whatever? What are some ways that they can like cover that up and make it look like they're not? taking pictures of other people. Okay. So, um, one thing that I do is I'm, I'm really, I come from a family of actors, so I, I like to act. So, um, so if I'm looking down at my, my, um, 
my screen, I will point it towards somebody and maybe I'll move my uh, focus point more towards that person, but I'll look up, I'll check up like I'm looking a different direction. When I look down, I'm, I have my focal point on them. Maybe they're to the left or to the right in, in, um, in the composition. So, or I'll look straight forward and as they walk in, I'll click it. Maybe they turn to look at me and I'll look directly forward. So when I'm looking at whatever subject that I'm taking a photo of, I'm, uh, um, I'll pretend like I'm looking a different direction. Yeah. Did that make any sense? Yeah. I've done that once or <laughs> twice with a, with a Nikon F2 trying to get some shots in San Francisco. I definitely tried that technique because yeah. I don't, I don't like the whole like eye contact thing because I don't have a great poker face. So I just like, I blur my eyes and I'll just look straight ahead and just like maybe even squint and be like, yeah, that car over there. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. And then, and then they feel kind of stupid because they're looking at you and they get angry for a second. They're like, oh. He's not taking a picture of me. Yeah. (laughs) You got to do that for the shot sometimes, you know? It's funny. I I was uh, actually on the street, not yesterday, the day before. um, I'm shooting video on the XE4. And uh, I just went out and just did some street photography. And I was on Pfluger Bridge. And I turned around. I wanted to get a picture. There was these three kids. There were these three kids, like, you know, just um, had kids. They were like in their 20s, whatever. And I went and I turned around and I took a picture really quick and then I looked kind of like over their shoulders and all three of them, when I looked back in the picture, were looking directly into my lens. <laughs> it's funny. And I looked away so they didn't, they, they were like, is he taking a picture of me? But it's pretty funny. You say you shoot like mostly on digital these days. Yeah. Um, and you shot earlier, you mostly started film out with like band shots and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you don't, you didn't have as much of a portfolio on film as you did on digital then. No, I actually, um, most of what I had like in a portfolio was literally in like a, like a, what do you call it? It's like a, like a portfolio bag, right? <laughs> you know, I had like all my prints in there, uh, which I still have. And actually one in one of my videos, I did a video on Acros because all of that I did back in the day was black and white. I didn't touch color at all. I just felt like black and white was just where I, I felt just better doing black. And white. I don't know. I don't know why. I just loved black and white. But um, yeah, I'm the same way. So pretty much everything I had back in the day when it came to film was black and white. I learned on black and white, and if I could create a world in which I shot nothing but black and white, I would be totally fine with that. Yeah, I love it. Continue on. I know. I, I love black and white. I don't shoot as much with black and white now, but with the XH2, um, and I talked about this in in one of my YouTube or my newest YouTube channel, my YouTube uh, <laughs> um, video uh, about the custom uh, settings on the PASM dial. I love it. I love just my C1 is like my portrait. C2 is is uh, high burst rate, and then C3 is my acros. So I just go to C3, and then that's that's my black and white. That's your street photography setting. Well, that's my street photography setting. I, I have a I, I'm, I shoot on Fuji. So if you're listening right. and you're wanting what we're talking about with C1 and Acros, the the film simulations, uh, I have two that I, I like my go to. One I'll do Acros, mm. usually R. Red, I, yeah, I like I like the darker skies. Yeah, and then um, the other one I'll do is usually just classic Chrome. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, yeah, that's. Those are my two street photography yep, go tos. So if you're a Fuji user out there, um, that's what we shoot on. If you see our street photography work, I use classic. Actually, I've been using um, uh, nostalgic negative as well. I like nostalgic. Nostal- yeah, yeah, well, nostalgic negative is nice. I, I, I like I like using nostalgic negative on portraits mm-hmm. when it's like two p.m. and like super sunny. Right. 
I find that it can bring skin tone definition back, but I find that it makes people look a little too orange, plasticky, orangish. Right. But it will make people with blue eyes. It'll make their eyes like stand out like mm. big time. Okay. So, just just some pro tips I've learned. Yeah, no, I I, I love the film simulation. I mean, that's one thing that made me fall in love with Fuji, really. Yeah, and to the, the conversation we're having at the beginning of this episode. Uh, I don't have a problem with film simulations. That's actually what attracts me to Fuji. I was just ranting about people. Like, there's this Fuji group that I joined on Facebook, and it's just people who like make film simulation recipes. And they're just like, hey, is my recipe good enough? Like, I don't. It's like they're looking for this acceptance or whatever. And not, most of them have never actually like shot on film before. Right. So it's like, right. it's like, well, you know how you'd really nail Portrait 400? Go to the store, buy a box of Portrait 400, and put it in a camera that takes Portrait 400, and then go shoot Portrait 400, and you'll nail the look of Portrait 400. Right, right. Just like that. But but even then, what is the look of Portrait 400? Because how are you going to develop it, right? So yeah. that's why the whole film simulation thing is just like the the obsession over getting a simulation right is stupid. Right. But the colors that the film simulations can take you to with Fuji that's what attracts me to that yeah. system uh, for both the X mount and the GF mount. So. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not lucky enough to have a G F mount anything yet. <laughs> They're pretty rad. Not yeah. gonna lie. Yeah. Something I wanted to ask you is, um, so personally, when I travel and I'm I'm taking photos, uh, something that I've noticed as a photographer over the years in different places is the sky is different. The air the air is different. It's either thinner or hazier. You know, light travels through it differently. Like a morning in Texas during the winter is going to be the light is going to be more more blue a lot mm. a lot more quickly whereas in LA I think I remember being a lot warmer you know especially in the morning whereas like LA sunsets you you've got bright bright pinks bright oranges whereas mm -hmm. Texas sunsets is pretty it's usually just a flat orange right so is is there any sort of like well first of all which light do you prefer most to shoot in um and which location as a street photographer like what's what's kind of like your favorite light that you've ever like encountered, if, um, if that's a fair question to ask. No, it is. Well, it really depends on what I'm uh, shooting with street because I like to do like uh, architectural stuff. And I do like doing acros with red because the dark skies and I like the contrast between the clouds and the skies. But sometimes um, overall, overall, if, if I had my druthers, it would be um, overcast skies, overcast, dark. I just feel like there's just m much more control over contrast and... Being able to to I just don't like direct sun. Um, sometimes if I'm if I'm if there are a lot of buildings, it could be interesting. But at midday, I'm just not I'm not into it. I, I love overcast. Overcast is good, man. A lot of times it's your your, your softbox too, especially yeah. when you do portraiture because you do portraiture, you know. Yeah. You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. I want to talk about a controversial topic with street photography, and this seems to be a controversial topic with street photographers because a lot of street photography uh, crosses over to photo photojournalism, right? right? You're telling the story of the city you're in. Mm -hmm. And so there seems to be a contingent of photographers who think it's disrespectful to take pictures of homeless people. Yes, I'm not sure I fully agree with the hardline approach on this because as a photographer – I do agree that you should treat all subjects with respect and dignity, right? Like, yeah. you know, some homeless person's getting dressed or something like that. Give them privacy, right? But um, I do think that if your streets are full of homeless people mm -hmm. and you are 
going to tell the story of the streets, then why are you omitting that part of the story? Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, I think that there, there's a way that you can do it respectfully, mm -hmm. but to ignore what's going on in your streets, are you actually telling the story of your streets? I, I would have to agree with you. Um, and also they're very interesting. Um, and there's a story there and, and there's, and there's a story to be told, you know what I mean? Like, as far as like, um, you know, I, I'm not taking a picture of them because I want to feel sorry for them. I'm not uh, taking a picture of them because I, uh, want to do them harm, but there is a story there. You know, these people are going through something and they've, they've, there's, there's depth and feeling and emotion. And, and I feel like that needs to be talked about. And if, if there's malice behind why I'm doing it, then that might, might show in, in the photo. Yeah, if you're trying to like make fun of them or something, yeah. then yeah, you're a dick. But if you're trying to tell the story <laughs> of your of your city, and it's yeah. like, hey, I want to tell the full story of my city. So I, I once took a picture actually with a film back in the day in San Francisco, and I really loved this photo because um, there was a juxtaposition between uh, there was this homeless guy who was flat out, all both arms out like this, both legs out, and there was a bottle, uh, empty bottle right next to him. He was out cold, passed out, drunk, done. His feet were in the light and his body was in the, sh in the shadow. And at his feet was a businessman, just the, just the, from the neck down businessman with a briefcase walking in the light. So this guy, it was, so there was that juxtaposition. There was that, that contrast between him being in the dark and him being, and his feet were in the light. You know what I mean? And there, and there was this world beyond where he was at. And I thought that that kind of told a story and I didn't want to accentuate like, look how dirty or grimy or, or messed up this person was. It was that dichotomy in his life. You know what I mean? Like what's going on? He has his feet in the light. Like all he has to do is just get up, you know what I mean? And leave the bottle behind. And then there was this businessman who he was headless. You know what I mean? He just didn't pay attention to what's going on around him. And there's that whole thing as well. Cause people don't pay attention to what's going on. Oh, let's, let's not, let's not address that problem. Or let's not even look at it. Let's not take pictures of, of it. Let's just ignore the problem. Yeah, and that's why I think it is. It's like it's like okay, fine. If you're telling me I can't tell the story, then are you like going in like clothing these people and getting them jobs or something? Yeah. Like, like at least I'm like raising awareness of the problem, right? Yeah. But in this case, yes, there was a the homeless person was the subject, but you were telling an artistic story. Yeah, yeah. And that's why we. That's a lot. The reason why a lot of us are attracted to doing this in the first place is a, a lot of street photography is storytelling. Yeah, I think part of the problem there is, you know, anyone who has that kind of gripe is, I don't think they view photographers as the storytellers. I think they yeah. view photographers as people who are like, oh, like, how can I take advantage of this situation for my own personal gain? And yeah. I think that's in part due to just the, the world we live in now yeah. with social media that it just it is what it is. Let's, you know, let's call it let's call it what it is. But um but no, I, I still, you know, I think at the end of the day, we are storytellers and that, you know, that just has to be clarified. Yeah. I think it's yeah. like, what's that guy's name? Jake Paul, I think is the yeah. YouTube. Apparently there's some f forest out in Japan where people <sighs> hang themselves. Oh, yeah. And they yeah, commit yeah. suicide there, and he decided to, like, exploit that to get more views or something. That's, that's, I think that's what people are, like, looking at a lot of photographers. Like, oh, you must be doing trying to do that. And it's like, no, man, I'm just trying to tell, like, a really honest story here. And, right. Yeah. So, um. Now you mentioned, I think you mentioned you went to school. You have a little bit of formal training with photography. How, what, what, did you yeah, have a pot, or are you all self-taught? Uh, I'm, I'm self-taught. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, you know, I took a long time off cause I was just, uh, in, 
in music and the studios and stuff like that. And then I got into the fitness industry so that I could stay in the studios and stay playing music. And then um, about 10 years ago, I picked up um, an old Rebel camera and I'm like, uh, this is digital. It was kind of a kind of a crappy camera, but I, I did a lot of, you know, I just took a ton of photos and got kind of more into it. And then I bought like an A6000 like eight years ago, um, which is a very cool camera. Actually, uh, that was my first mirrorless. And then, um, yeah, I got a 5D about, I don't know, another, about seven years ago. And then uh, I got Fuji just after that. I got a X-T3 and I, it was, that was it. I'm like, I have to, I have to be taking photos. Is your calling, man? Uh, I don't know. Late, <laughs> late, I'm a late bloomer, late in life. Better late than, <laughs> better late than never, man. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let's talk about risk. Okay. Because um, shooting street photography does have some risk. Uh, what What's the riskiest thing you've ever done doing street photography? Oh, gosh. Uh, we might have to edit some uh, some quiet time because <laughs> I'm not actually sure. Um, you know, during COVID, I went to downtown LA. Uh, it's, it's funny because it took me about 15 minutes to get there from where I was uh, living in West Hills. And if you know LA... You cannot get to what from West Hills to Los Angeles in 15 minutes. That's how crazy COVID was. Um, but uh, I wouldn't say that that was a risk. Maybe how fast I drove all the way out there. <laughs> um, but just, um, yeah, I think anytime that you're walking streets, maybe that you don't know, you know, like in New York City or when I was in Philly or um, uh, yeah, Philly, Philly could be <laughs> risky. Philly's risky. Yeah, I've, I've been in those, uh, Dallas and Houston. I've run into some of those situations. I didn't feel bad in Denver. Everybody was high. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Vegas, uh, as long as you kind of stay in the touristy areas, it can get a little seedy if you go too far off the strip. Yeah, yeah. You might start having some people walk up to you and go, hey, do you need something? And it's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but uh, – Oh yeah, yeah. In Vegas, man, I had some I had some security guards like accost me outside with my client, like outside of a casino near um near what's that street? Uh, so, so are you talking about uh, Las Vegas Boulevard or no, no, Flamingo? Old, old um uh Fremont. 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 Yes, oh yes. yeah. Oh gosh. I was at Fremont and they were like, What are you doing taking pictures here? I'm like, I'm on the street. They're like, You can't do that. I'm like, I'm on the street. So so here's the deal with Fremont Street. I've 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 done street photography on Fremont Street several times. Yeah. So the way it works there is the performers are usually the ones I encounter. Yeah. So like I'm taking pictures of the characters, but they're all getting dressed up as Ace Freely from Kiss or, you know, right. Jubilee dancers or whatever with the the pasties on their nipples. And uh I hate that. Yeah, you just take the pasties it's off. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but anyway, so the um, yeah, the, the, they'll, the you'll be sitting there like trying to be a street photographer, and you're like, oh, this is an interesting thing I want to take a picture of, and they'll be yeah. like, you need to pay me, and it's like, exactly, yeah, I'm taking pictures of an environment that you're in, right. you know, maybe you're my subject, it's none of your damn business, but um, but yeah, they're always like, pay me, get out of here, you can't take my picture, and it's like you literally like every night come out here to show yourself off to people. I can take your picture. I know the freaking law. I had a guy do that to me um, actually in South Congress. A guy was playing guitar or some guy, and I took a picture, and he's like, he's like, you know, you need to pay me or whatever. I'm like, I don't have any cap. Was he shirtless? I don't remember. Because I see that guy all the time. 
He's like, I, I, I took a picture of him with my my C three thirty. I went behind him and just click, and then like as soon as he turned around, I was walking away. I was like, bye. <laughs> oh, he he got upset with me, but this is the funny thing. He totally got one over me because I'm like, I don't have any money, or I don't have any cash on me. And he goes, and he, I think he like showed me a sign or something like that. He's like, Venmo. <laughs> I thought that the guy must have been. I don't know. He, I thought he was just like trying to get a little money. No, this guy was. He, he was. He had this whole deal, but he was like, "No, you got to pay me." I'm like, "No, dude." Yeah, the performers got the Venmo and the Zelle, but I've actually run into homeless people who the have Venmo. it now. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and, it, and you know, I never carry cash on me. I haven't right. like ever since. Like, I remember my dad used to like make fun of me when I was in college because I didn't like. It's not that I didn't know how to ch- balance a checkbook. I just didn't balance my checkbook because. I, I am, yeah, as old as I am, like when I got to college age, that's right when like online banking started becoming a thing. And I was right, like, right. I don't have to balance my checkbook. I can just go online and look at how much money I have. Right, right, <laughs> like, right. Like the second I swipe my card, it shows up that right. I charged it. And so, but anyway, like these people have, uh, yeah, the home, there's homeless people now who have Venmo. I'm just like, don't you need a phone for that? What's your what's your iPhone worth? Thirteen hundred dollars? Like that's like a couple months. Well, maybe not in Austin. A couple months worth of rent, but that's a couple months worth of rent somewhere. Oh, I, I have stories. I mean, it, it, for some for some homeless. I mean, I, 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 I'm totally not. This is not a blanket a state a blanket statement about homeless people at all at all. But I've I've had situations where there was like a homeless guy that everyone knows in the neighborhood. I worked there, you know, blah, blah, blah. We'd always give him money, blah, 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 blah. And one day you see him driving when you're there. At, like I stayed at work late. This guy, I gave him money all the time. And then he drives past me in a gold Mercedes. I'm just like, mother, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Never saw him again. You know, but it's like, hey, you know, you give money out of, out of the kindness of your heart and it's okay. You know, it's, I don't need anything back, but. Yeah, it's it's you know homelessness in general. Like obviously, it's a it's a it's a thing we'd love to solve, and we know that a lot there is a mental health aspect to a lot of it too. And mm-hmm. a lot of them are veterans, you know. Yeah. So yep. we don't really show our thanks there, unfortunately, uh, as, as much as I think we should. Um, do you have a photograph that you've taken? Like, is there is there a tipping point uh, in your development as a photographer where you took a picture and you had like this eureka moment? Like, I I. I can do this. Like, I think that like, and then the photo probably sucks now because it was like so long ago and you weren't as good as you are now, obviously. But is there a, any sort of photo that sticks out in your mind or maybe an experience you had as a photographer that lets you know, man, I really can do this. And I, I, I want to do this for, for a long time. Um, well, there was, there was one picture back in the day that I took of this band called Orgone. Um, check them out. Orgone. They're amazing. Like, like a jam band, funk, soul, uh, really, really amazing players out of LA. They've been, they've been playing for a long time, uh, buddies of mine. And uh, I took a picture of them in front of, this is like back when the, the, the Metro train in LA just like first started. There was a train that, that went from North Hollywood where, where they have their studio and everything to Hollywood. And so I took the band on that train. Uh, and so I, I did, did some pictures there, but there was one picture where they were, they were just in front of the train. The train was going by. I did like, you know, um, did a slow shutter speed and got the train just whizzing by while they're all, uh, you know, posing and stuff like that. And I said, wow, you know, that was, that was like a picture. I was like, okay, this is, this is cool. This is creative. This is something, it's not just like, you know, a wide angle shot of some, you know, guy with his head big and his feet small with a cigarette looking, uh, looking crazy. He was like, this is something that I felt was really, I mean, I'm sure that people use that, that, um, 
that technique all the time. You know what I mean? But I just felt like it was something that at the moment I, I got creative with and I loved it and they loved it. And so it's probably something you saw that you replicated, you know, you replicated something you saw a professional photographer doing. You're like, wow, I can do it too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, that was a good point with, with regards to film. Um, gosh, I don't, I don't know. Like these, these days, um, <sighs> off the top of my head, I don't know. I've seen some of your creative work. Uh, we can we can shift gears into some of your portraiture. I thought that that uh, you, the session we were talking about earlier, the one that you did for the designer, looked really cool. I mean, I think I think you're developing there a lot. You do some excellent portraiture. Um, I'm. I'd like to get as good in the studio as you are. I love the work that you do. Um, you should see his work. Yeah. Yeah, I should see Rick. Well, how come I haven't seen his work? Well, you'll I see prob- it. I probably have. I you'll probably see it follow before. Him like There's a good I'm actually I'm actually bad with faces and names. Like yeah. I'm actually I actually know people by their work. Yeah. Like uh like especially photographers. I mean models, it's pictures of them. So it's like, "Oh, I know what they look like." But like I don't know what a lot of like I I would say that like half the photographers in this town that I've become friends with, right. like I didn't know what they look like for the longest time. I just knew them by their work. I was like, "Oh, that, that that's that's that Brandon guy's work." That's pretty cool. You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. But you do portraiture as well. I do, yeah. And and so what what style of uh, portraiture do you like to do the most? Uh, It depends. If I'm doing doing, uh, models, I just – I like environmental. I like uh, golden hour environmental or on the street. Um, But I also like doing uh, studio work. I'm I'm enjoying doing – um, single, uh, so I like one AD 200 or one, uh, um, uh, flash, just one single flash kind of getting that Rembrandt look or something like that. I love doing that. Um, especially with male, also with male clients, um, getting that kind of dark and kind of rugged looking kind of shadowy look. Um, love it. Accentuating that jawline. Accentuating the jawline. No, but I, I I love I love doing studio work. I I don't know I like one speed lighter or one flash. I I just love that look, um, and yeah, I'm just trying to get I'm trying to get better at that. But I I do like environmental uh, like outdoor lifestyle type stuff. I really love that. Um, it's kind of my thing. So if you if you had to like pick a single lens to use for for either like studio and lifestyle, what would you um what would you go for? If it was one, one, one lens. Yeah. Um, oh, that's funny. That's crazy because for por- portrait- and give it to us in full frame because <laughs> you're a Fuji user. Everyone's going to be like, he said a 23. What's a, I don't know anything about a 23 millimeter. <laughs> yeah. Tw- well, 23, 35, that's a 35 millimeter equivalent. I love that focal length, but if it were, if it were to be for portraiture, um, or for all around, if I had to choose one, it would be a 35 millimeter in APS-C or a 50 millimeter equivalent if i I, mean, I use i use a 75 to 85 equivalent every day and a 35 equivalent but if i had one it would be the 50 so it wouldn't be your 50 millimeter f 1.0 that's that's the like a, it's a it's a 75 yeah millimeter equivalent yeah so um for portraiture that i love that, that for portraiture but if i were to use it for portraiture environmental um uh for um you know, all the different, different, if I were to use it for everything, it would be a 35 or a 50 millimeter, 50 right. millimeter full frame. Right. And for those of you who are listening, who might be beginners, who are like 
wondering what we're talking about with these different focal lengths being on different systems, uh, go go study crop factors, mm-hmm. okay? Because like we think we think of thirty five millimeter full frame as the standard, and then you go up and down from there because your crop sensors are one point five or one point six depending on the system you're on. So that's why a twenty three is a thirty five. Mm-hmm. Or a 56 is an 85 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So just wanted to talk about – I wanted to bring that up because Brandon and I, we shoot medium format. Yeah. I shoot medium format digital. My crop factor is 0.79. Well, right. when I shoot on a 6x7, my crop factor is 0.5. And when I shoot on a 6x6, it's 0.55. So there's a lot of math you got to learn about focal lengths and perspective and all that. But it's part of the photographic journey, right? I'm so terrible at math. I'm just – of course, the better thing to do is to just slap the damn lens on there and go take the good picture and not worry about it. See, that's what I'm talking about. And I, you know, you start saying 0. 0.55, 0. 0.56. I'm just like, oh, that's good to know. You know, I should probably pay attention to that. But uh, but yeah, no, I just I just throw the lens on and, and I look through the viewfinder. I, I try to memorize like using thir- the 35 millimeter standard. I try to memorize a 35, a 50, and an 85, and probably a 135 equivalent mm-hmm. as a portrait photographer because. Yeah. I, I know those. It's like, oh, I need a normal field of view. I need something that's a 50 millimeter equivalent. Yeah. And then I'll go, oh, well, that is more like a 35 on a Fuji right. or whatever. Or it's something that's more like a 63 mm-hmm. on my Fuji medium format, right? Right. Uh, go ahead. So if so, then if I were actually to have one lens, so I'm, I'm thinking, you, were you thinking about primes? Like, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So if I if I had my druthers to have one lens, one lens for portraiture, and I didn't need low light, it would be the fifty to one forty, which is a seventy to two hundred. I've wow. been looking at that lens. Yeah, the fifty. I have the fifty to one forty. I'll lend it to you. It's badass. And actually, for um, for landscapes, it's amazing, amazing because of the compression. So yeah. when you're zooming into you know two hundred or or one forty. Uh, the background is just, I mean, like coast, I, I have some pictures I'll show you of uh, like the, the coast that I did just recently. And I, I took a picture of this little, uh, this little fisherman. He's like right on the rocks and the rocks just look huge behind him. The the compression, the way that it, the way that, that it renders photos is amazing. I love it. I love the compression. So 50 to 140 because also for portraits, it's so sharp. So I'm at 70 to 200, 70 to 200. My yeah. Canon was 70 to 200. Yeah, Nikon, was, Nikon's are 70 to 200 yeah, as well. So we're yeah. speaking Brandon's language now. Okay. Sorry, guys. Are you a Nikon guy? I'm a Nikon guy, yeah. Do you have a Z9? Uh, I wish. No, I got a Z6. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's not bad. Uh, my brother-in-law is also, he has, I think he's a Z6 too. Oh, yeah. No, I shoot, funny enough, I shoot most of my work on the actual kit lens. So yeah. at F4. So okay. like when it comes to gear acquisition syndrome, it's it pretty much stays in the film category. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So you you haven't gotten the bug with um with Nikon? Mm-mm. Nope. Okay. He has his complaints about the autofocusing on it. Oh yeah, that's a whole that's a whole other thing. <laughs> oh, well, the Fujifilm makes a kit lens that is. So I I did a video on like which two lenses out of all the lenses that I would that I, you know if I had my druthers to pick two lenses, one prime and one zoom. The one prime was the 35, which again is the 50 millimeter. And the other one was an 18 to 55, which is the kit lens. And cause it's such a versatile and great lens. It's, it's the most amazing kit lens you can get, but I didn't. And so, so Nikon makes a really good kit. So their kit lens that they released with the Z series is, uh, it's actually really, it does really well. Um, I was watching this YouTube video recently about it. And apparently they added a, a whole new proprietary coating over the lens. 
So at f4, that's its uh, that's its wide open. It's still pretty sharp, you know, all the way across. Mm-hmm. And um, I often shoot at f4 in studio just because, uh, I, you know, I don't really actually mind being the background uh, or the background being in focus. And I find that the Nikon, it uh, that lens actually it handles itself pretty well. I don't really feel the need uh, mm-hmm. to upgrade, and I don't print as much of my work as I'd, I'd like to. A lot of it's just going to, you know, like digital portfolios for different clients and that. Um, but no, finding very, very little issues with it. And I also, a lot of my work is focused on, like I do a ton of retouching. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if I got any sharper, I'd run into issues with, you know, skin, the skin uh, becoming brittle. Right, right. All right, so last question before we wrap it up. Yes. And that is, where do you want to take your photography next? Oh boy, that's that's a the answer is broad. Um, you know, every every opportunity and any opportunity, I, I get to pick up my camera and whatever challenges me. You know, I, I am a late bloomer. You know, uh, when it comes to like, I didn't twenty years ago. I wasn't like I want to be a photographer. And that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. I was like at forty five, and this is what I want to do for the rest, or you know, or forty forty two, whatever. This is what I want to do. I want to do this. I want to make money doing this. I want to. Um, I want to pick up my camera as much as I can in my life. And so, um, at this point, it's it really whatever allows me to pick up my camera and be creative. I don't care. You know what I mean? As long as it, it's it, it it fills my heart and and um, yeah, I would I would love to to just. I don't know what direction that I'm going with it right now. Um, I mean, that's kind of why I do YouTube is because I just want to learn as much as I can and just talking, like just doing this, you know, I'm learning more just from you guys and, and just, and every time I pick up my camera and go shoot, you know, when I make mistakes, you know, and uh, it's, it, it, um, it makes me a better photographer. And uh, that's why I, I feel because I'm a late bloomer that I'm able to be a lot more humble about what I'm doing because um, it might take me another 20, 30 years to be at that point where I feel like I'm a professional. You know what I mean? So I also feel like when you get older, though, you have a not an arrogance, but a confidence. I'm like, I know this now. Yeah. I'm ready to move on to the next thing. And you have less of that imposter syndrome thing going on. It's like, no, no, no. I have a finite amount of time on right. this earth. I, I know I've executed this thing. Now I need to move to the next objective. That's just how I've noticed I've gotten as I've gotten older. Or I've come to terms with being an imposter. I'm like, it's okay. I just want to pick up my camera. I'm cool with being an imposter. I just want to just learn, 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 learn. I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, thanks for stopping in today. It's Berkman Photo yes. on Instagram. Yes. Do you have anything else you want to plug besides your YouTube channel? Um, oh, yes. Uh, uh, one of the companies that I work for is called The Match Artist. Um, it's actually online dating, believe it or not. I'm doing online dating photography. So the match artists, check them out. Uh, if you're looking to get better dates, you need a photographer, they'll send me out. So, uh, yeah, check them out. That's awesome, man. All right. That does it for today's episode. I thank each and every one of you for listening today. I want to thank Jason Berkman for coming into the studio here in Austin, Texas, talking to us about his photography. I thought it was an enlightening episode. And we love Jason, and we hope to have him back on our show sometime soon. All of you, take care. Chase light, not algorithms.
Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about this podcast, go to www.f11pod.com.